As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. episode of Android's Dungeon. LARPing. I attack you. No, I attacked you. No, this isn't your grandpa's LARP. This is different, baby. Burning Wheel Inheritance. And also, the review you've all been waiting for. The not-quite review of Tapestry. And more. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. Uh, It is snowing outside. I'm going to make a bet it's snowing when you're listening to this because, you know, a lot of things change when we walk into the studio right now as you're listening live. Live Thursday afternoon, slow drifting chunks of snow. Chunks. (laughs) Chunks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like icebergs? Hefty or? pieces. Like, you know, you get those ones where, like, the little flakes all stick together into a nice clump. And the big little fat flakes. Those are my favorite type. Yeah. Although, I'll take Satisfying. any snow, generally speaking, just because it's so nice. But Except for, what's what type of snow would I reject? Um, none. I can't think of a single type of snow I would reject. Um... I saw an interesting sight on the way in. I don't know if you saw the same thing, but there are there's like a little garden as you walk past the bus station on yep. the way into the studio, and um, there's little kind of red leaves. And they look nice, <clears throat> and there are about four or five girls hot, leaning over the leaves, and I was like, "What's going on?" There? And then I realized uh... that they're taking photos <laughs> of the snow <laughs> on the leaves. <laughs> The light's very poor. I'm curious how those pictures turned out, but who knows? I these these fancy new cell phone cameras. I'm sure they can grab stuff at real low light. Mm-hmm. Great for those those instas. Yeah, instas. Grabbing it. Snaps. In, you know, you get your post. What, what, what do you post? call the post post uh, work on a photo? Post production. Post production editing. Uh, after effects or there's something effects too. The, but the Graham's got tons of that. Yeah. It, that's what uh, I remember having a conversation with somebody who's a uh, professional photographer and asking him about uh, do you where how do you feel about the current state of photography because it's not until you actually know like know something about photography that you understand how difficult it is to actually take a good picture and to make it look nice and to do these things but his general uh, thing was that uh, he's doing fine because high quality photography is still something that people need man and it's not the something anyone can do. Isn't matched. Well, it's not even the resolution because the cameras can, these cell phone cameras can take incredibly high resolution photographs. It's the quality of the photograph at the end mm. of the day. So it's like nobody's going to. The composition. The composition, that's part of it too. But nobody, it's not like, let's say Annie Leibovitz isn't doing her Vanity Fair shoots on an iPhone. Yep. It's, she's got some cameras here. So, or um, an actual SLR or DSLR. So, but the thing about it is, is that. I'd say that's that's a niche. So that's like 5% of all pictures you'll see are the high high quality stuff. The 95% of them and I'm being ge- maybe a little generous here are the the they're just perfectly fine but they look really good thanks to some simple post production or a- or some effects you can slap onto it. Like you, the old joke is make something look artsy, black and white. You can make the most yeah. mundane thing look suddenly profound just by black and whiting it. Empty Snickers wrapper. Or Empty Snickers wrapper. Put a sepia tone on it if you want to make it look real, real neat. I love the sepia. Anyway, um, do you think that people can tell though? Like, do you think like, okay, like the five percent really nice photos? They probably look really good. And if you were to hold them up against probably one of the other ones, you you may might be able to tell. But do you think it's like me and audio? Where I just, you know, you're like, well, here's some quality sound and here's sound. And <laughs> I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, I genuinely think that if you put them next to each other, you should be able to tell a difference. Audio is one of those things that you can enter this world where it's like, uh, 
there are people who are crazy even by my like high standards for what I consider to be high quality audio. But there's there, everyone should be able to tell the difference. Between, and this is what kills me. If you can't tell the difference between the cruddy bit rate that Sirius is streaming mm. at and like FM radio, you are in trouble. There's no helping you. Don't spend money on anything good because it's a waste of time. I'm telling you this right now. If you can't tell that difference, and that's maybe that's my basic. Just buy some five dollar <laughs> headphones and you're good. You know what? It's not even the headphones necessarily, but it's about the 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 audio file itself, and that's what kills me is when, um, when you and this is something that Christopher would talk about back in the day, or even when I think when we were doing the training here was you saying that don't stream things off of YouTube. Ah, uh, yeah. And the generally, too low. the quality's too low, but that's not really true anymore because people are uploading their HD quality yep. uh, sound files to YouTube now. If you go back ten years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then you hear the stuff. And that's why you got to pay attention when, if you're looking for some more obscure music, perhaps, that's like, when was this uploaded? Oh, man, 2009. <laughs> Ugh, this could be no good, but yeah. whatever. Uh, but I think it goes to anything. Board games, even. Yeah, to the untrained eye. To the untrained eye. Maybe an older... Tapestry. Ugly, no, ugly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can't get into that yet. We can't get into that yet. So uh, let's get things going, though. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Let's stay away from the big um, ones, though. Let's, sure, We'll move sure. into that in a second. So not the LARP and not the... Yeah, we'll okay. hold off. Um, well, last night we got in uh, Letter Jam. Oh, I was going to say... I really I s- like Letter Jam. <laughs> I'm really... I'm like, is it not a good game? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, starting to, I'm starting to question myself. I guess that's We too, had so much fun. Yeah. Well, I guess um, that's two back-to-back uh, introductions and... Uh, yeah. And, and lukewarm reception. <laughs> I'm like, man... Am I wrong? No, is it's it the, the kids that are wrong? wrong? Uh, all right. So although it's not like I highly value the man's taste. Well, but it's like so when you're playing Letter Jam, what did you when you say people didn't really like it? Did was it just like people weren't hooting and hollering or really having a ball, or was it that there was problems with rules or what was going on? I think it's it's kind of upfront. I need to find a new way to teach it. I think I'm, that jumping straight into it. Or like giving one example and going is not it's not the right way to do it. Usually, I'm pretty. Uh, I try to I try to like just give the bare bones up front and then let's go and then we'll do a learning game. And I don't think it really works with that because people just weren't picking it up quick. And I think that's kind of what you were seeing at at the office as well when we tried to play it there. Because mm-hmm. it's I guess it isn't that complicated of a game, but it's just kind of maybe. Because I, I was having a really hard time. Your descriptions of it were impossible. Yeah. When I saw it being played, I still took me, or it still took me a round or two to figure out kind of what was going on. I still don't totally understand it, but yeah. And I, the clue sheet isn't. It looks. It looks daunting. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's. It's probably a combination of. It is maybe a little. F- I don't want to say front loaded, but maybe just a l- slightly more complicated than people would expect. Yeah. And you've just had bad luck with two crowds that just were not in the mood for something like this. It could be. I mean, if you're already at Gen Con, you're probably pretty into games. Yeah. That's so. not to say that the people you were... Like, the the office, that's one thing. But last night, you would have thought that that crowd would be... Mm-hmm. Like, this is a this is a lock for the most part. Yeah. But Here's a hot new game. Just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Letter Jam, uh, you know, I'll have to play a few more times before I know whether or not this is something I can throw out as a replacement of code names or as an alternative when we've played too much code names or whether, you know, we're going to go back to telestrations and code names and panic on wall street for like the, the <laughs> core the games. Of time, Speaking right? of panic on wall street, we got a great game of that in with what, like was the most great? insane result I've ever seen. So th- I'm glad you brought that up because that'll feed into uh, another game. So we're bouncing around a little bit here, but uh, on another night we got to play panic on wall street and what happened, Joel? Well, you know, like, in any market, there's ups and downs, except for in this market, there were only downs. <laughs> it was it was a pure bear market. Panic on Wall Street has four stocks that will fluctuate in value after you purchase them each round. And you want them to go up if you're an investor. And, you, and if they go down, you're a broker. You don't really care. But uh, the point is, this game, aside from one stock, they were all worth either zero or negative money for the, for the majority of the game so 80 percent of them like red never turned a profit no nope. green never turned a profit orange was a loser for 80 percent of the game and had a brief moment in the sun a brief moment in the sun where people made a bunch of cash right at the end 
and blue, you can, I think it can drop to zero, but it was just consistently hovering. It would drop, it would drop, it would go, go up, drop, drop. So it was always around 30 or maybe it was one round 20. Bottom line, um, there were some credit crises. Crises. Yep. And, uh, and I was risking it. I was going all <laughs> red all the time. And normally that should pay off at, at least once. No, no, not this game. The dice, no, you, <laughs> it was painful. Absolutely painful. So we had two, two, three people, I think, that were too broke to actually pay their brokers out. Yeah. Which, which point the broker has the option to kick you out of the game, yeah. which we've never, we had to look up that rule because we've never had anybody unable to pay. Yeah. Um, or they can give you a verbal agreement like, okay, will you pay me with what you make next time? And you pay me first. Yeah. Because that was important because <laughs> when you have some money that you made or some money left and you owe five different brokers... You get to decide who to pay. Well, and that was the funny part there because you started to see people, and this is something I've never seen before in the game, that because we've never had issues with people paying back their uh, their um, investments, or at least what they paid for them, is that people wouldn't sell to some people because <laughs> yeah. you were, money's you were no risk, <laughs> you're a liability. So that was kind of a neat little evolution in this this game because it's dead simple. It's pretty stupid, but it's all about you should be running around hustling and just having a ball and not taking it too seriously. But yeah. uh, it just what again, it wasn't necessarily. It was more interesting, I think, from our perspective than it was for to actually play, perhaps, because it was just so frustrating. Because nobody wants to sit there and just lose money the whole time. Because you don't get to buy things. You don't get these runs on people like fighting each other for. I don't know because me and Harry were dead broke and we were having a blast. Well, you and Harry, yeah, because we were. I guess we were kind of subverting the game. Yeah, yeah. You know. you've played enough times and it's yeah. like okay just... but for the rest of them it's probably like well this game sucks and i'm yeah. never buying panic on wall street well but good you luck you should buy panic on wall street because we give it a hearty endorsement i think it's probably if you've got the right crowd it's probably the most interesting or one of the most interesting and sort of high action uh party games you can get on the table Aside from maybe uh, Captain Sonar, and that requires an exact eight player. And it scales like crazy. It goes three to 11. Although, never play below six. Six is really where you have to play it with. And if you've got a party, that's simple. Like the weight on Board Game Geek is 1.6. So that's telling you something. Easy peasy. I'm trying to see if it's even. um, Oh, man, it's really expensive. You can buy a new copy from the States for 75 bucks, which is a lot of cash as far as I'm concerned. But if you want it, you want it. Get your partner Panic on Wall Street for Christmas yeah. and bring it to your families. Have you ever tried it with your family? I, guess I did it once. Uh, it was a, So we were we had five people, um, and it was just a, a total flop, ah! which is like <laughs> most of them. Mom's just sitting there like, I'm not selling you for less than 55. It wasn't even like that. It was just more just you need a lot of people. That's what it is. One of those games that you, you need everyone running around hustling and yeah. doing stuff because there were times with the smaller amounts where it's just like everyone already sold or bought everything. You're just sitting there staring at the timer and you're like, um, okay, we're, we'll call it. We'll just move on. Call it. Um, so panic on wall street had a very strange game, very tight contracted market. And then we move over to a game we played last night, which is, I think it was a mistake in retrospect. And I just thought, I lost track of time, and I had a burst of energy, and I thought, okay, let's give it a shot. <laughs> so we played PAX Premier um, yeah. last night because um, we were invited over to um, Megasiv 18-player winner's house rule. Roll. And uh, he had a, a bachelor's night, and if, like any um, mid-30s bachelor, <laughs> I'm assuming he's in his mid-30s, uh, he had a bunch of his guy friends over to play board games. And uh, I showed a bit later, and this was after um, Letter Jam, and this was in the middle of a game of Citadels, which I was enjoying watching a little bit because it was kind of interesting to see. Um, but we we put Pax Premier down, and um, there were four of us, and it was I thought you know what I was I was looking back on it, I was thinking I think I thought I did a pretty good job. We did a decent job explaining the rules. It mm-hmm. was clear. I wasn't stumbling too much, and but it is a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare to teach because just when you think you're done, no, just there's more. Just when you think you've taught it. Yeah. There's, there's like, more. Oh, by the way. By the way, yeah. Like I was just thinking about when both of those dominance checks came up on the same time. I'm like, oh, we didn't tell them that at the start. But like what? They weren't going to know what that we were talking about. And that's about. not really – how could you get upset about something like that too? It's like it's your first game. You're flubbing around. This isn't – I always like to say this: if this isn't tournament X, and you're not this is you're not in yeah. this to try to like take home twenty grand. This is, you're just trying to learn the game. Yeah, and uh, well, <laughs> I think Roll liked it. 
the um, it was fun, but it's one of those things where I don't know if I had a lot of fun because uh, there were a couple of reasons. So we'll get right into it. The first reason is that the game state was strange. We've never seen a game like this Real before. Strange. And it wasn't, I, I left early and it got better, but it got better after I left, which read into that what you will. Uh, but there was only one faction that was dominant for three dominance checks. Uh, technically one because two came up simultaneously but and that was the Afghanis and everyone saw the writing on the wall and everyone went hard Afghan and in case you've forgotten or you haven't played the game the way uh, Pax Premier works is that you are uh, a warlord in Afghanistan and you are trying to be uh, aligned to whatever faction is the most dominant faction whenever these cards come up in a market row and that can be either Russia uh, Britain or the uh, Afghani nationals and when it comes down to that and you've aligned with that faction, then you have to be the most loyal to them. But the issue is that when there's only one faction, the writing's on the wall, and it turns into this bizarre scramble just to be the most loyal, which is a very... It's not exciting. There's a lot of things... There's a lot of functions in the game which yeah. is just get taken out, like war. Yeah. Like, you can war on cards if you're able to get on the Fight some spies, card, I guess. But it's yeah. pretty rare. Uh, and so, you, yeah, you end up getting in this weird situation where um, no one can move, no one can fight... And you're just, like, collecting all of the same army, even though you know it's going to go away. Yeah. There's no point in adding any other armies. There's no point in switching allegiances. So a lot of the cards in the lineup all of a sudden become dead weight. Yeah. You're just looking at the neutrals and the Afghanis. Luckily, at the beginning of the game, there were a lot of Afghani cards, which yeah. is why we all went with it. And part of the problem, too, is that um, I picked up one of these <laughs> cards, and not necessarily on purpose. It was just, like, it was a card that was available and looked fine. Yeah. But it was one that was, um, it was a Kabul card, which is after every dominance check, uh, you add, immediately add two more Afghani soldiers into the Kabul province. So right away, after the dominance check, everything's wiped off the board. Here's two more right away. So it's kind of like, oh, God, yeah. they're, already at a, they're already two away from having dominance right from the get-go. Yeah, and we've all, all already committed a bunch of allegiance to it, too. Exactly. We've given them gifts. We've bought their heroes. Yeah. We're all ready to, we're all ready to compete for, <laughs> for I, their love again. And I think if we, if, if we were better at the game, as opposed to trying to maybe get into this sort of, um, oh, I'm going to be more loyal. I'm going to be able to be more loyal. Somebody would have made a, a more drastic move where it's like, mm, no, I'm going to make this zero sum. I'm going to switch over to Russia and I'm going to start pumping up the Russian troops. Yeah. Or, and hedging my bets by dumping tribes everywhere, or spies everywhere, just in case. So you may be super loyal to the Afghanis, but that's not going to mean anything because there's not going to be a dominance check this time or a successful one. So, yeah. But it, just the way the game was going, there was no, it felt worthless because within it felt like within two circles of the 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 board it was like 15 or 12 uh, uh, roads and troops around the board there's no point at that stage yeah. so people are asking us like because they're new they're asking us well what, what would you do in this situation what should i do and it's like well there's, there's not really anything good you can do just get the money off the market and yeah call it a day <laughs> and so it was just kind of a it's still a cool game but uh, something else that occurred to me after when I was um, when I was leaving was just like it's it's exhausting teaching it because mm -hmm. it's it's not enough for you to just teach it once and kind of like occasionally chime in. It's one of those games where every turn I think there was a question or there was something going on, and eventually you just stop caring about your own game and you're just kind of just doing stuff or trying to resemble some sort of like easy AI. And because you're just bracing yourself <laughs> for a question of some sort yeah. and just trying to head off anything at the pass. So you're, you're basically running an 18 player Civ game <laughs> <laughs> where a bunch of people are new. Yeah. And uh, that sort of came up a little bit too because everyone was, Joel and Rule are waiting for their copies of Western Empires to show up because uh, it's, it's been shipped. I guarantee, I'm positive. Like, there's so the much time. The kits arrived. Yeah, I got my erotic kit, which is nice. It came with the new rules and uh, new tech cards and stuff, or, or 18 plus tech cards, I guess, um, or so that you can play full 18. And everyone has the tech cards, which yeah. is absurd, but I'll take it. <laughs> Nothing's gonna stop me. Um, but I think we're on we're on course for the the Griffcon Shadow Western Empires game. Yeah, and if anybody wants to play, they're listening to this and happen to interested i there's a good chance we're gonna run two of them you think so yeah i think roll's gonna run one and i'm gonna run one 
and we'll probably do. I you don't think know, there's gonna be that much six, demand? Six to nine players on each of them. Yeah. Holy smokes! No problem. All right. Well, definitely in that case, then. So if you guys, if anyone's listening, period. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Uh, second is if you are around on November thirtieth, Saturday, come to the University of Guelph, and you can come down and see your favorite radio hosts, and then you can also see Android's Dungeon sitting uh. there. <laughs> <laughs> While the lights are still on. While the lights are still on. And I don't think there will be any awkward belly dancers this time, <laughs> embarrassingly. Oh, <laughs> Not because I'm afraid of belly dancers. I'm just embarrassed Ooh. of themed belly dancers for flashback. Harry Potter. <laughs> I think I'm traumatized. <laughs> like, I can't handle embarrassment very well. <laughs> yeah, And just <laughs> Patrick being like, it's your turn. Oh, man. It's your turn. It's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> that was something. Show some respect. Show some respect the to dead. the Harry Potter dancers. <laughs> anyway, so like I said, November 30th, Griffcon Shadow. Uh, sounds like there's going to be two games of Mega Civ, so almost th- that's up to 18 people. So if yep. you're, you're rem- remotely interested in talking or playing this game that we always go on about and we love, and you have, can commit to it. Number one. It is long, but uh, it won't be insane, I guarantee you. Yep. Um, don't we're, hesitate. We're getting good at it. Come to the Guelph Board Game Group. Fast. Post on that or shoot us an email at uh, droiddungeonradio at gmail.com or uh, androidsdungeon at cfru.ca. Uh, and yeah. So, what, what, I think I'll just add one thing and then we'll do a music break and okay. we'll come back for the real meat and potatoes of the episode. Um, there's been a lot of talk in one of our groups about the outer world. Mm. And um, I think I'm trying to think of how many hours I've sunk into it. it. It's more than it looks. I can't trust it because I definitely left it on at one point and did other stuff because mm. I was like, uh, I turned it on. I was going to because I thought I had more time. And then all of a sudden I had to go like I don't know, do some laboring or something. So I come back. Oh, God, I left it on the whole time. So it screws up your time played. But mm. um, I'm going to say I've put in, I'll say 10, 12 hours, which isn't bad, I think. Okay. Um, Bef- we talked about it a little bit before how it's it's a it's a decent game, um, but I think ultimately how I f- it kind of feels sort of undercooked or not as um, in depth as I would like it, slightly hollow. Uh, to put it in perspective, the person who actually picked it up day one has already dropped it because he got bored with it and he's moved back to The Witcher Three. Mm. Um, I think uh, K Man has already dropped it. Or if he, or if he only paid a dollar for it because he did the Microsoft Game Pass thing, and mm. I think he's, I haven't heard a word about it, so I have a feeling he's gone back to RuneScape, or <laughs> which is that's a sad indictment in itself. Ooh, RuneScape better than Outer Worlds. And, You're here first. Uh, and I think Harry has gotten to the character creation, <laughs> and yeah. that's that. Um, it seems to me like from an outside perspective that there was a ton of upfront excitement that they're the coming into the game and first playing the game you guys all absolutely loved it and then something happened where it just died just just so quickly i don't mind it still it's just i literally have not had any time to play it since yeah. so you know i've played it because i'll talk about it but it's like there's been no time for it but it's my issue is that i think the reason why people have dropped it is because it's too casual Boo, Boo. Yes. but it is it's easy as hell normal difficulty is a joke if you're dying uh you've done like i don't know what to say it's (laughs) it's so so easy and i was looking it up because uh there's a youtuber called g-man lives who uh, did a review of it and he's pretty good and he was he tried bumping up the difficulty because he was complaining about it but he said it just makes the game unfun in a different way because it just makes the enemies do more damage and they have more health so now they're bullet sponges who are kind of just yeah, like yeah. plinking you away and you're just dead and it's like, oh god this this isn't the answer to the problem yeah we definitely talked about ways to ramp up difficulty and that is probably the worst it's the absolute worst like it, it's lazy that's all it is of just like adding a multiplier to enemies yeah. and calling it a day increase their hp but the why i call it a casual game and that's why i think it's kind of pushing people away is because everything's too easy you can I have not. I think I've come across two things I can't unlock with my lock picking skills the entire game, <laughs> and those were things that were like obviously not intended to be used. It's like yeah, I need a hundred out of a hundred. It's like okay, and unlocking is just an unlock now. It's just you hold E and it goes. Which some people hated the mini game in Fallout for doing that. I, I didn't lo- mind I it. I liked it. I didn't mind it. A little uh, bit of skill involved. Yeah, there not was much, but like a little bit. Just enough. Just enough. And it. Um, 
it, it felt a little more rewarding than just holding E yeah. and okay, it's open. Um, the weapons are bland. Uh, in Fallout, there was a huge list of stuff you would get. Like you'd be kind of going through the weapons. There, I'm not saying there were millions of weapons in Fallout, but there were enough that kind of felt a little more unique. Whereas in this game, there's kind of like all the there's like a couple of types, and then there's some unique ones which are fine. I've never used. But then there's like the different version of it. So it's like, oh, this is the upgrade, or this is the different company, the better version of it. This mm. is this company's better version of that. It's just boring. Don't care. It's a sniper rifle, shotgun, pistol. And the melee weapons, oh boy. One of them looks like, remember in Halo, the uh, laser sword thing? Oh, yeah, the energy sword. Energy sword. So one of them kind of looks like that. I think it even called the plasma <laughs> sword. So not nearly satisfying, by the way, to use. <laughs> Terrifying when you see it coming at you. <laughs> 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 just trying to spit the shotgun the guy. Um, the but the the saving grace for the game that I think is the only reason why people care about it right now is because the the world building is pretty good the voice acting is good the dialogue's good the writing's good but there's not even enough writing as far as I'm concerned because it felt like I keep going back to Fallout but it felt like when you go into these places there are tons of logs to read and there are tons of terminals and notes littered around I'm not really finding that very much in this game uh, maybe I'm just jaded and I'm there's the just the same amount and I'm just you know blasting through it but it, the other part too is the lack of world building more in the wor- in the levels itself so in fall you go to a you go to a settlement or something which always felt good because it's like i think you always got a little note or something like come up on your yeah. underneath or say like you've entered like I don't, i'm just gonna say good springs but there's always something in these towns that was kind of interesting themed around it yeah. a so, robot farm or... robot farm that, like that's wacky that's strange in outer worlds as far as i can tell there's there's maybe um, you have a 20% chance of finding something neat in one of these places. Other times it's just totally bland and just kind of like, well, kind of a ramshackle sci-fi building. It's boring. You go in, there's no point to it? Not even there's no point. It's just like it, there's nothing exciting about it, nothing unique, nothing mm-hmm. to make you think back of it. Because it's like I'm just comparing in my head as I'm talking about this, all the places in New Vegas that were cool and stick with you. And then think back to Outer World and how two – three <laughs> like it, it's bad i know what was missing was the like pieces of wood and rubber that you could pick up and then uh, build the thing with <laughs> <laughs> arguably one of those annoying pointless features in the game somebody somewhere i bet really loved that base building i was not one <laughs> yeah i mean i wish it just did something you know <laughs> it's like uh, you you do it and you're like oh this is great this is gonna be really cool when the enemies attack and then no, it is not. Uh, nothing ever happens. <laughs> okay. Really? I got complaints. Like I got these phone calls all the time saying, come back. I'm being attacked. Like, oh man. I got so bored with it. I just it's set up just auto turrets and I left. Event. I know, but I felt bad, you know, like <laughs> but I you could... go back after the event and nothing's happened. Yeah. I, I felt like I was there. Like I would just warp to the location when yeah. somebody was calling it. Either way, pointless. So Edward is not a bad game. I'm just saying don't pay a lot of money for it. It's uh, or at all. or any money it's like do the dollar pass if you're remotely curious because the more i think about the more it's not for me but the more i think this should appeal to people who want to play who give uh give a care about a lot of these games that are coming out because frankly most of them look utterly boring and pointless but if you're Mm. someone who go choose through games and you're like oh man you're looking at your budget like i spent like 300 dollars on new computer games last year or last month pick up this pass the microsoft pass especially if you don't care about owning games because that's one thing that could like maybe haunt you but today what's the point of owning any of these per se like i don't think microsoft's going out of business tomorrow i don't (laughs) think they're going to uh, and believe me if it if they do beat me up find me on the street and just like (laughs) kick my ribs in because i it's steam is no different at the end of the day you've bought the license to play these games and if Steam died tomorrow, <laughs> your games are gone too. Yep. Or if you die. Or if you die. Yeah, that's right. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen if they... They just... can't pass them on, folks. That'll be that'll be interesting to see what happens in the future when, uh, like, or not even, there's no even need for the future because there's got to be some geriatrics out there who, yeah. like, oh, I bought Grandpa Truck Simulator because he was a trucker in the day, but Grandpa's dead and then does Valve know? Do they check the obituaries or do they assume like the red, the birth date's like, oh man, because I put my birth date to something ridiculous. <laughs> Are they going to assume it's, uh, I'm, de- I'm dead, I'm just a corpse? Born in the 20s. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I mean, you cannot pass your games on to anyone 
dead or alive. So they better have your login. <sighs> and then you got to delete all those, uh, you know, those adult games. Yeah. All the adult <laughs> games. I don't, can you permanently remove something from your library? I don't know. There's got to be some way, but uh, why, why not? Share it with the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, musical break. We'll be back in a second. Stay tuned. back to CFRU 93.3 FM Android's Dungeon what you just heard was heard expanding the voids by Dallas Campbell from the album EIV off of Burning Witches Records it just came out it's a short but sweet space horror synth album um I've got the wrong one for Joel. Sorry there, Joel. Come back to us. Hello. There he is. Nice. <clears throat> burning witches, eh? Speaking of burning witches. Which we should have burned in Inheritance. <laughs> and Jack's rapidly tacked on addendum to the... <laughs> Hopefully Chelsea wasn't mad about it. And that. we burned her. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think Stefan at the end said one of the things that we were all kind of thinking about the the one son and that he was cast perfectly 
Okay, so don't <laughs> we're, we're jumping way, way ahead of ourselves here. So Joel, set it up for us. Uh, we we took it to the ultimate. Um, we we went to the dark place that no one should ever go, and we uh, we we played a LARP. Just everybody, just turn on. Now that everybody's turned off the podcast, uh, <laughs> the radio show, Joe, radio show. Yeah, yeah. We jump back in and say that LARPs aren't what you think they are. All right. And I was thinking about it, and you know there are all these emergency awareness LARPs that uh, governments run, uh, police police run LARPs all the time. The problem is that it's in the name itself, LARP. Yeah. That LARP, it's been so tarnished envision? by the idea of fat guys in chainmail throwing beanbags at each other, hitting each other with um, <laughs> plastic swords. swords. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That now everyone just assumes that, just as I did, because I was really kind of a little uh, hesitant when this thing was going on, because I was like, "What's going on? What's going to happen?" But if you break it down to what it stands for, live action role play, it, it's just the pro- it's slightly embarrassing, but it's exactly what you were doing as kids, except this is more structured mm-hmm. and um, and everyone has objectives. So yeah, it's like it's like if you was like go play outside and play make believe, but yeah. now this time you've got a book with like strategies and goals and and ideas for reactions. And somebody giving refereeing. you a structure in order to go make believe again. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's like. <laughs> trying to wrap make-believe time or uh, play time into this world of adult behavior. So um, this was, it's a, it was called Inheritance. Was it called Burning Wheel Inheritance or was it just Inheritance? It's, uh, yeah, I think it's like Burning Wheels Inheritance because it's not Burning Wheel in any sense of the word. Yeah. But the guy that made Burning Wheel made this. So it's a, it's a lame attempt to ride the coattails of your own product, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it sold him more copies. Absolutely. I don't grudge him. But, uh, I'm sure the, he sold out because, like they said, it was a very limited sale. Yeah, it, definitely a boutique yeah. uh, title. But it was this was something that I think was a year old. Didn't you buy it last Gen Con, you're saying? Yeah. And um, the one fell, and I, I, I feel bad, Nigel? Nigel, yeah. Nigel was um, had been wanting to get this together, but the problem is just like many of our uh, laments about needing perfect player counts for a lot of games, this is something that 100% needs proper player counts. Ten people. Ten people and a facilitator. Or is he? Is that included in that? He's the tenth. Yeah, yeah he's the tenth. So what the premise is that it takes place in the 10th century in a Danish uh, Viking settlement. And the uh, grandfather uh, or the, the patriarch of the clan has died and there is a will that is going to be read and um, there are a lot of family members and there's a lot of stuff going on but the main thing is that an exiled brother uh, has returned to try to claim what is his and the way it works is everyone is in this case randomly assigned a role and the roles are the brother his father his mother his brother um, and the, then another family. Another family, uh, which has a father, a mother, and a daughter. And then there's a priest. Then there's the exiled brother's best bud. And uh, was that I, it? I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, so everyone gets one of these. There's and a they, dead brother, but he's... The dead brother is not doing too much. <laughs> and everyone has these little pouches you put around you that are kind of nice, but they have a runic... They have a rune on it, or... I don't think all of them are technically runes. I'm not sure. And if you flip it over, it has your name so everyone can tell who it is. Because at the beginning, it's very difficult to keep who is who together. Because it's basically a bunch of strangers yeah. that you're like, oh, now that's not and Joel. I don't look like a, well, maybe I do. But to me, I don't think I look like a beautiful 22-year-old girl. <laughs> the, the eye of the beholder, Joel. <laughs> so this was, we all got this. And then the facilitator kind of runs it. He's there to guide you through these things. And um First, uh, it starts off with a funeral on a beach, and uh, the, the exiled son returns, and then there's a feast, and then there's night when there's some supposedly some intrigue that occurs, and then the next morning, um, there is uh, uh, the will being read, and then there's that's that's it. So it's like two days worth of stuff, isn't it? It was yeah. yeah. It's like a day and a night and a day. Yeah. Um, and the way it works is that if um, they're fairly structured at the beginning, and then once you get to dinner time, there's different beats that you're supposed to kind of hit. Um, but at uh, nighttime is when it's kind of like the the joke of the Game of Thrones walk through the gardens, uh, yeah. and everyone else can hear what you're saying, but you're sitting silently, and you're just. But you would approach somebody and try to say like, Joel, you're. I want you to marry me. You're beautiful. And you're trying to persuade him, and Joel's already got his own motives because uh, he maybe wants to marry somebody else. And, and for instance, I was the exiled son, so my goals were to 
uh, Mary ran Joel, um, get my inheritance from the grandpa, mm-hmm. and I think unify the clan um, or something along those lines. And what were your motivations? Uh, my motivations were to find a strong person to marry um, that I didn't like you and that I did that I liked my chosen uh, suitor even worse <laughs> because he was pathetic and weak. <laughs> did it say that in there? Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that you know, like it, it didn't say it, but it seemed pretty clear just by default of like who was left yeah. that I should probably try to make some uh, moves towards your buddy. Yeah. And in case you can't tell from our description, this is very, very social. Uh, this is not sitting here rolling dice, um, even though D&D is very social. But I'm saying that this is hyper abstracted in the sense that everything you do is going to more or less boil down to your decision. So at, at any point I could have said, uh, I'm sick of Joel, I cut off his head. And then there yeah. would have been a card that's drawn saying what happens and everyone would react accordingly to this. Um one of the things we 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 didn't quite catch yeah. coming into the game. Yeah, that that wasn't the clearest. So I think there would have been some maybe some more wild moves. I guarantee you everyone would have tried and been killing each other by, by <laughs> a certain point. Oh, it would have been fun, especially at dinners when we did all those toasts. I yeah. was just thinking of all the times we drank. Yeah, where I could have been like, uh, before we drink, I'm going to attempt to poison this goblet. Yeah, and it would have been fun. And that kind of confused me too because about do you would you have just brought like Nigel over and said, oh my God, I'm going to poison this. So nobody else would have known or is this one of these things that like you don't know but you're not going to change your behavior. You have to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's odd because all of our secret plotting was also done in public. So that's it. So you had to kind of split up your – like talking to the facilitator was free in secret but anything that you were plotting outside of that was everyone – was ostensibly yeah. listening to it, but because it's a one big longhouse thing. So. Yeah, and that was a. So we were talking about this afterward, and that was one of the I think the things that where the game stumbled slightly was that um, there were there was supposed to be time um, before during the feast and before night when everyone can be talking to everyone and kind of like running around Civ style, hustling and trading cards or something. Or in this case, trying to get their motivations out, or, 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 worked out. Yeah. yeah, figure out what they're trying to do and try to persuade people. But we kind of went straight from that and nobody did anything except for a couple of like yeah. little bits where you're just yelling at someone. Some hesitation. Some hesitation to explicit just talking to people and everyone sitting there staring at you. So there's yeah. no subtlety to it or no secrets. So. Yeah. Uh, I think we were missing a longer introduction. And yes. I think that part of that was maybe that uh, Nigel had never run it before. No, yeah, absolutely. And I think <clears throat> maybe next time he'll he'll introduce some of the concepts. But he did tell us, okay, if you want to simulate intimacy, you're going to yeah. put your arms like this. And if you want to simulate you're aggravated with someone, you're going to put your arm like this. And uh, that went just out the different <laughs> positions. And we just forgot about all of that <laughs> until the very end of the thing where yeah. It was necessary, but also kind of um, too far gone, I guess. I think, to me, that strikes me as one of these, like, I want everyone to be safe, so... Yeah, yeah don't right, do yeah. Don't actually punch anyone. Yeah. Uh, so let's cut to the bone here. Joel, did you enjoy it? What would you... Would you recommend it? Yeah, absolutely. I had a really good time. I think I had the same problem was, like, with the national security decision-making game in that I didn't know what to do or what I could do. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you mean mechanically, like what you were permitted to do? Yeah, what the rules allowed me to do. And I think the Scythe Mega game did a really good job of saying, like, these are the functions that you should be trying to do, right? Crossing borders, inventing things, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted more structure. Mm-hmm. And there was probably enough structure in that game, but I wanted to know about it <laughs> earlier in the game. Um, just for people that are like, what the heck is this game that we're talking about? Because we're talking about we all had roles and et cetera, et cetera. The game is a a medium-sized uh, kind of can, um, knit bag. And inside the bag are smaller bags, uh, which you wear around your neck. And inside of those smaller bags are little rule books and sheets about your characters and little envelopes with cards in them, which we can't tell you about because it's a secret. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. But anything. I wish we had known. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, that that kind of sums it all up right there. For me, I had a good time. Um, but 
it's a very hesitant recommendation because it's so it we talk about fragile games all the time on the show and this is a very fragile experience because as a game i don't think it's very fragile unless people just are total pricks and they just like if i was a facilitator and people were just doing dumb things then it's like okay yeah that's that because it can collapse instantly, just like any other game, to be honest. But if people don't... Yeah, one person just just trying to mess around it's, will well, yeah, make it fall apart. And I'll, I'll say this. Everyone's committed 100% to yeah. playing the game, which is great. And that's what I would expect from this group. Nothing less. But it's to go to in a different direction is that you need people who can play, or who are not afraid to be social, who are not afraid to voice themselves. Yeah. And you got to push back and you got to... Um, and that was that brings me back to the what we were saying to the, the guy. Here. So he he was very uh, I don't know forthright, and he was really trying to play his character. Yeah. But even when he was trying to like bolster himself and go out and and make a stand, he still looked really <laughs> pathetic, which is perfect. It's and it's definitely just said it straight to his face, but I I wouldn't have said it no, right to he, him. Yeah. I I I had wanted, I had wanted. To Patented Jack's awkward laughs, just like, ah, oh, jeez. Um, but that was it. It's that, and, and also some roles, I think, I don't know whether this is built into it or just people, but some roles felt like they had less to chew on than others. And yeah. um, I will say that Jack, as the prodigal son, had a lot to work with. And he well, it all was, revolved around me, or I made it all revolve. He was me, brilliant. But, like, oh, it was nice. amazing. He, he went on this, like, five-minute monologue. Which wasn't necessary in any way. There was an impromptu meeting that he had with the father, with his father, who's being who's in charge of the clan, very obstinate, and his father was being stubborn, and he just, he kind of just lost it. But like in a, in, like he was like making very articulate argument about how ridiculous the old religion was, and how stupid their their challenge for him was. Yeah, didn't <laughs> make any sense. to go stand out in the rain <laughs> naked. <laughs> It was and, very silly. Oh, man. It was... We just had us in stitches for minutes. It was great. And that's it. I don't know. It, I, hopefully, Nigel wasn't upset about me pl- kind of treating him as a dirtbag. <laughs> just coming back. But uh, I don't the know. prodigal son. It was It was a neat... I think it was a fantastic experience. And frankly, even talking about it has made me want to sit down and make one of my own. Because honestly, yeah. I think with... Uh, enough creativity and a little bit of time you could easily crank out something like this and um even you, you talking about your scythe thing i'm just imagining like how you scale it as well or try yeah. to introduce different things it'd be tons of fun to run at one of these uh, not to oversimplify the con- concept because it was quite different but the easiest point of reference for people that don't understand what the heck we're talking about is a murder mystery dinner yes Yes, yes, yes. It's perfect. Except this was op- how we described it was open-ended um, dinner, murder dinner mystery, yeah. <laughs> dinner murder mystery <laughs> with with like religious conflict because there's like this whole Christianity versus old religion. There, there are a lot of gears kind of spinning, but um, yeah, it's it's tough. And it, although I, the uh, it, it can collapse. I think if people and I, I found myself forgetting this once or twice too. Is that you have you're supposed to be playing the character. You can't just start to like go. Uh, Maverick, and yeah. it's like I'm never listening to Stefan, or I'm never listening to uh, this person, um, unless it's like, unless it kind of fits your character, because you have to be you. You are role playing. Yeah, you got Ben. Like, like for me, like I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to marry you, right? That was like the main thing in my book, but it was, it didn't say don't marry him. Period. You don't it want was to. Like <laughs> one of the just spoiler alert. Joel married Jack at the end of the game. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> because Jack killed the guy that was my uh, favorite suitor. Well. Well, didn't kill him. I caught him and they tried to stab him. me in the back and then. <laughs> got double maimed. <laughs> Which was kind of weak that he was just like, yeah, just a little bit more of my arm is gone now. Yeah. I thought it was toast or whatever. Yeah. All right. I didn't even try to poison him. Did you? Yeah. I had a I had a bag of poison. And I tried to poison him, and he got dizzy, and then he was fine. Oh. oh, that's right. I thought you tried to heal him. That's what I thought would happen there. I was fake healing him, Jack. Oh, is that what you told Nigel? <laughs> Interesting. Well, no, it's just that my book says poison on it, and I was like, oh, I'm using this. Oh, okay. I, th- did did anyone announce that? Did you tell anyone else that? No. Okay. Interesting. So the poison didn't work, or he's immune, or what? Yeah, well, he didn't say anything. 
like like he read the card he didn't say a word yeah. about what happened so mm. there was nothing i could really say beyond that because i wasn't allowed to look at the card i didn't know the result yeah i would almost ask him to for a clarification after the fact to see yeah. wh- anyway whatever so burning wheel inheritance if you get a chance or if this sounds remotely interesting uh seek out maybe one of the i don't know yeah 120 people in the world it's 200 dollars. <laughs> not was, worth 200 and it's not for sale so not good worth luck 200 dollars. <laughs> proxy it yourself i guarantee you can make this yourself in two seconds if yep. uh, if you get scans or source Being material. A nice of it. Knit bag. The bags are nice. Bags are nice. And it doubles as a medicine kit. Speaking of expensive, uh, overproduced experiences. <laughs> nice segue. Um, we are going to do a brief. Uh, we're going to have a brief conversation about tapestry. It's a hands-on first thoughts. Hands-on first thoughts because I think we're both... Um, or at least I feel very strongly that I'm not going to say too much about it until it's I've given it another two or three plays. Um, Tapestry is the latest game from Stonemaier Games. Uh, it is uh, it bills itself as a civilization game, um, and what you do is you take one of these random sieves from the get go, and you have a player board, and you have this uh, three by three grid that. Uh, you could be forgiven for thinking it's uh, something out of like oh I don't know like Feast for Odin or something. You've got you've got things to put stuff on, yep. and uh, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be using your sieve to try to get the most victory points throughout the game. And in order to do this, it's essentially a worker placement game abstracted because you have um, you have these cubes that are on these tracks, and you move these cubes up. And if you move a cube into a certain place, uh, you um, you pay the resources and you take whatever corresponding action there is with it. In the center of the board, there's this map of hexagonal tiles that you will be building and moving things around on. Um, a shared space. A shared space. Everyone has their own start location. Each of these tracks represents something like exploring, science, warfare, technology. There are a bunch of cards you can acquire throughout the game, which are technologies that go to the side of your board and don't do anything immediately, but if you upgrade them, they actually start to do stuff. And you have your home board, which is where you have the all-knowing and all-powerful tapestry cards, which are kind of, think of them as like the governments of your civilization, your theme of each era that you're doing. And uh, these are all over the place. You can have a renaissance. You can have a despot. You can have pirates. Pirates. You can have industrialists. You can have socialism. You can have, I'm pretty sure, yeah, there's tons of stuff in there. It's a fairly decent stack of cards there. And um, you're basically moving around until you run out of resources, which are required to go up on these tracks. And when you do that, you're forced to take an income round. And the game ends after your fifth income round. So as you can tell, if you're paying attention to what I'm saying, is that everyone's turns and when they're going to take income may be different based on how many resources they're taking, how many resources they're acquiring, and so on. And there are certain stages on these tracks where if you're the first person there, uh, except in certain circumstances, you get to take these special buildings. Um, And that's where I think my number one, like right out of the box criticism is, is that these buildings are ugly. They don't fit properly on the... They don't fit on the grid. You have to actually grid. look at the reference in order to know what they cover. Yeah, and um, they bump the price tag of the game up probably by 30 bucks, yeah. I think. Um, but that's that's the only criticism I'm going to lay on it right this second, uh, which is just, I find it Very totally unnecessary. <laughs> um, so, Joel, do you want to talk about uh, your thoughts on the first game? Yeah. So, like Jack said... Uh, You've got four options, basically, and you can just run up one track or you can try to balance and run up all four. But uh, science tracks kind of help you in the other tracks. Uh, Military tracks will help you conquer other regions, including regions that your opponents are in. Um, And then uh, exploration track allows you to find out more about the map, sort of like look around, and it has the added bonus of some really cool tiles if you manage to get there, uh, which allow you to go to space. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like this little thing that you're barely going to touch as one player, uh, but you're going to look at three space tiles and all of them will be great. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, obviously, technology <clears throat> is kind of a little more a little more confusing, but it's it's more or less you get technology cards and sometimes you upgrade them 
and the first time you upgrade them you get something that's in a circle and then the second time you upgrade them you get something that's in a square and usually it's a resource or some points or something like that and, and the whole game is like a balance between getting things and getting points and usually you know in, in, a, in a typical game you or like in a euro or in a strategy game you want to first get a lot of resources and then transition at some point make a change where you go down in your resource production because your engine's just rolling and then bam you want to switch to points this game not really that kind of game you you've got to get points kind of like in the middle and that's not a strategy thing it's just the way the game runs yeah. certain certain tracks like if you're up updating will just give you victory points um, and so and so you've kind of got to decide you want to get houses out uh, your your board has <laughs> there's a I lot know, to explain it's, it's, it's like your board has all these houses and they're covering up good stuff and you want to take those off kind of like in scythe yep and then you get those stuff the best way to describe this without bogging you down in a visualization that's impossible is that it, it's a game that right I guess is branching into a subtle second criticism. It's a game that says it's a civilization game. And as soon as I hear civilization game, I think of four X's and I think of God forbid you, you dare darken the threshold of Francis's design of something like civilization or advanced civilization or Western empires or mega civ of uh, that style of gameplay. If you are walking into tapestry thinking that you're going to get stone mayor equivalent of that turn around friend, leave right now because this is an engine builder game which is closer to terraforming Mars, I think, at the end of the day, than it is to a civilization game. And it even has little gauges that are slowly increasing. <laughs> like, you're, <laughs> like you're increasing oxygen, or you're increasing uh, the uh, temperature of the planet, or other things there. Personally, um, that that's my thought on the game right there. And you're you're optimizing this engine by taking these little things off and doing this um, this weird spatial puzzle on the side with these huts and these different types of buildings that correspond to each track. So every time you go to an income round, the more things you've taken off your home board, the more resources you get for um, to continue to the next round, which will have to last you unless you're managing to acquire more resources in the meantime. So, yeah. First thoughts, I'll say. Uh, it was really interesting. There was a lot. There was a lot going on. Um, some things are harder for me, like tile placement. Uh, so the tile placement's super weak, though. So you, you see a lot on the forums, <clears throat> people complaining that oh, it's a whole lot of concepts, and there's there's no uh, continuity. There's no balance. And I think I'm not going to agree or disagree with that, but I will say that it is probably four games in one it's it is a 4x in a sense in that you can use an action to conquer an, a, an opposing region it's just it's very simple uh it is a tile placement game because you, you you've got all these features on your tiles and you're trying to match up as many as you can to get as many points you get one point per feature that matches when you put it on the map it is a uh alternatively a your own personal player board tile placement where you want to get more tiles kind of like you get the resources in feast for odin and then you want to put those on your player board to cover up sections because each section you cover up gets you a good and each row you cover up gets you a point every time you score which is a whole other section we haven't even talked about yet yeah. uh it's also a sieve game but it's a sieve game as like i say like a quarter of the game because you need to get technology and then upgrade that technology. But the odd thing about Civ and this, and that's thematically what a lot of people complain about, is that all the technologies are in a random deck, a completely random deck, so you can get robotics or you could get pottery all in the same round. Yeah, and, and frankly, the theming of it doesn't bother me that much. Not it's really. like, I don't care that, oh, Oh, I went to space, but I didn't know na what a nail is. It's like, yeah. I don't care. The game, it's not that good that make me go, like, that. this is a huge problem. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's because the texts are all so, like, okay, the nails give me as much as, like, this other thing, so I don't care. It doesn't make a difference. But it, there's exactly what Joel was saying, though. It feels like 
um, like quacks of Quidlinburg. I'm just dumping a bunch of stuff into this pot and I'm drawing them and hopefully yeah. I don't get too many. And you're like, you, you've heard us. Maybe you're thinking, okay, I understand the basic concepts of the game. No, there's still a couple <laughs> things that we haven't told you and yet. It's a terrible Because we don't book. have time because yeah. there's just too much. There, The tapestries and the eras and the whole income phase is a whole other kettle of fish. So we'll weigh in on this more when we've got more stuff on our belt. And hopefully we can get Harry and others into this to yep. have their own opinions. But... We'll be back, folks. That's what I'm saying. Plays. Here's need, your taste. We need to do more research. Yeah, which I don't think I've ever said on this show. <laughs> anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. See you for you. Know.